The following resources presented by the Counseling and Conference Services of IOM America. Welcome to A Counselor's Point of View. Hi, my name is Steve Finney and I will be your speaker today. Today's topic is entitled The Art of Spiritual Warfare. This is part one of a series that we're going to be doing on equipping people on how to conduct themselves with spiritual warfare. We hope that you enjoy this series. Ark of the Covenant is the symbol of God's presence. Now there were some interesting things inside this this beautifully wrapped box. But all those symbols represented the presence of the living God. Okay, so now you have the Ark of the Covenant and the ones assigned to carry this thing. And I don't know if you know the details about if you rubbed up against this thing, you were toast. It was over. So they were very, very, very careful about... Not the Ark of the Covenant. What were these warriors very, very, very careful about? How they handled the presence of God. Now, behind the Ark of the Covenant, you had your leadership. Your commanders. Well, who was in front of the Ark of the Covenant? The praise band. Now think about this, guys. These these are trained, skilled, equipped warriors. Do you know that the the Israelis to this very day are known worldwide for being one of the most skilled warrior warriors in the world? It's because they're such a small people that it's really a waste of time to be murdering each other at the mall. You know what I'm saying? And God's trying to get the body of Christ to be thinking and functioning the exact same way. Why do we judge each other and why do we condemn each other? Why do we, why do we get our little daggers out and start backstabbing each other when we're a small people? You know, I wish I could say to you that God was into large numbers. Here's one of the reminders God gave me three days ago. He asked me, and I I do hear God. I don't hear him in an audible voice. It would be kind of cool if I did. but It's very loud thoughts. It's an overpowering thought. And just a couple, a few days ago, the Lord asked me, How wide is the road to destruction, Stephen? Of course, my response is it's narrow. No, it's pretty wide, God. And how many are on that that road to destruction, Stephen? Well, Lord, your scriptures say many. What about the road to, to my throne, Stephen? How wide is that? Well, it's, you said it's very narrow. And how many are on that road? Well, 
few are chosen. So are my people. Here's this tiny little country, these squatters, as they were known for, were not squatters. All of the Canaan land belonged to them. Still does, and they're still fighting over it, folks, to this very hour. You'll hear about more tonight on the news. It's the same war. The very first battle was the Battle of Jericho. But here's the piece I want you to understand. Paxton was invited to lead us in worship throughout the day because the worship team needs to be up front. He is the worship leader. He is the one that's going to be first under attack. Do you understand that? He is the exposed man. You think it's your pastor preaching. It's your worship leader. I can tell you endless stories for 27 years of counseling Horrific stories of worship leaders. That worship leader has to go down. Because God inhabits the praise of his people. And that worship leader had to be out front. The worship team and the trumpets and all the instruments. The Ark of the Covenant. The presence of God is right behind worship. You see? Now the people that were following the Ark of the Covenant, following the presence of God were singing out to the familiar songs that the worship team was singing. Then they get to the city that they're supposed to take on. And I'll bet you there was a few warriors in that group that were like, today's going to be a good day. Because there is something that God has put inside every man to fight for what is right. To fight for a cause. And they had a cause. This is our property. And you squatters have to leave. And if you don't leave, you're going to face the edge of my blade. But you see, God, from the very first fight, wanted to show them the difference between the king's sword their little butter knife and their fighting sword. This is Christ. This is God the Father. And this is your filthy, rotten flesh. And it can do some serious damage. In fact, this is a razor-sharp blade. It can do serious damage. We destroy one another quicker then the enemy even tries to destroy us. But I will say this, the enemy uses that. So, it's kind of his fault. <laughs> but we do. Once we see a Christian go down, we grab our knives and we finish it off. We put a few more in. And that's called judgment. It's called gossip. When a brother sins, you should find a blanket quickly and cover him so no one can see it. Why? So that blanket of love can start bringing healing to that man. But for some reason, we want to expose him. Love covers a multitude of sins. Show me a verse that says love exposes it. God exposes sin. And believe me, the man you're covering will be taken care of. God will deal with him. 
The Seattle responses are supposed to be different. So from the very first battle, God wanted to demonstrate the difference between the three swords. He went before them. And the praise and adoration was ahead of him. Now let's bring it back to some reality. Who can tell me the role that Satan had when his name was Lucifer? What role did he have in heaven before he was kicked out like a bolt of lightning? He was in charge of what? Well, that's interesting. Who's, who's the first the enemy goes after? Worship leaders. Why? He was in charge of worship. To take the presence of God and make it known throughout all eternity. Instead of focusing on that, he turns around and faces the presence of God and rubs shoulders with him. And he was removed. That is why no one was to touch the Ark of the Covenant. God is God and we are not. And nor, nor are his angels. He is the living God. He is the only one that has the prerogative to handle the king's sword. To commission and anoint. He is the only one. This is his word that comes out of his mouth. Christ came and he became the word to dwell among us. So we, you and me, can behold His glory. And He was sent on a mission. And He said these fabulous, fabulous words. They're all fabulous. but you know. He says, whatever I speak, I speak on my own initiative. Ken's nodding his head now. What did he say, Ken? I speak what the Father told me. His sword was symbolic of the Father's sword. When, when this guy goes out to battle, he is representing the king. And Christ became the word to dwell among us, the sword that dwelt among us, so that we could behold the glory of God. See it. And soon, embrace it through Jesus Christ. But there's this one other little piece. I got a little glory too. So here's our struggle. Flesh against spirit. Now, if I got good at this, I can keep my distance a whole lot easier than getting good at the butter knife. 
The butter knife you have to get close and personal. Enough for the enemy to get his arm around your neck and do some cutting himself. We shouldn't want to get good with this. Although I will say that those who are good with both in a real battle, they're kind of fun to watch. But in reality, I'd rather put a shield in this hand and a sword in this one. We'll talk about that this afternoon. Or actually later this morning. So that's just kind of a warm-up. Let's jump into our first session. So session one, the man in his toolbox. Needing the exact tools to accomplish a job. How many have got like a great toolbox at home? I mean, I mean, this is just something that, you know, you enjoy showing your, your friends. Now, Tom, I know, has not only got a great toolbox, he has a great tool uh, shop. Not only has a great tool shop, he has a whole building dedicated to his shop. Not only does he have a whole building dedicated to his shop, he has two floors in this shop. It is an awesome shop. There's something about Tom's shop that's quite enjoyable. Every tool is in its place. He's in this shop, you know, working, and we've done several projects together in this shop. Never questions where a tool is. And uh, knows where they are. In fact, I can't remember, Tom, do you have patterns around your tools or not? No? You just know where they're at. Now, that is like Christ in the workshop. We are his tools. And if we stay in place and be still and know that I'm God, when God goes to use us, we're there. We're ready. We're available. But since we as tools have little feet, arms, and a big mouth, we're running around the shop trying to do our own thing. So when Christ reaches for us, we're usually doing our own thing. So he has to go grab another tool. A tool that is waiting and is still and knows God. Knows the mechanic. That's the kind of workshop Jesus wants. And most guys, if they really admit, they'd love to have a workshop like that. Organize, you know where your tools are, you know, etc., etc. But certainly having the right tools in the toolbox is critical. Well, same thing goes for uh, God providing a spiritual toolbox. That spiritual toolbox is, you know, the shield, your shoes apiece, sword, breastplate, helmet. These are some of the tools that God gave us and specifically spelled them all out for our toolbox. So we will be taking a healthy look at that toolbox uh, today. We need to aggressively, <clears throat> we, need to, uh, we need aggressive spiritual warfare against the world, the flesh, and the devil. Each of these three things, at least in my mind for many years, I kept them all together. They're very, very separate. When you look at 
the uh, original context of these in the Bible. And we're going to speak specifically about the world today and how the enemy uses the world to illustrate his personality or his characteristics. And then we're going to talk about your flesh of the thing that he uses or tries to activate in you to submit to the illustration. Sin. And then we're going to talk about the devil himself. Because his goal is to have you transformed into his image. His goal is to have the whole world transformed into his image. Because God's into this image thing. Well, so's the enemy. And you know what? When the world says it's all about image, they're absolutely correct. Completely correct. It's the basis of creation. It's the basis of you being created. We are created in the image of God. And so the enemy himself was created by God, from God's image or imagination or or really mindset. Everything that there is came from God. It's all about image because image always projects identity. And identity always projects who's in charge. So if you are into your own identity, you're saying you have to be in charge. So we do need to talk about those three. And then the uh, enemy pushes us to conform into that image. Christian mean. Christian men need to know how to fight the good fight, and it is a good fight, and that's all the scriptures talk about it. But men have the tendency to fight what they see. Their wives, children, 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 your job, your boss. For me yesterday, standing there, shocked that my truck got ripped off. Now, in a year and a half, I've had a truck stolen. And then I got another truck and then had all my Christmas presents in there last year. They all got ripped off. I think I'd learn a lesson here to not leave stuff in the vehicle. Or don't buy a truck. I can get alarm system. I don't know. I thought, thought I had the angels going there for me. And I realized God had a reason for this. No matter what it is that we do to try to protect ourselves, we can't be the protectors, so Christ has to be that protection for us. But then we have to answer the question is, how is it that we want to be protected? But when we're faced with that circumstance, now we have an actual choice. Do I want to fight this as a good fight, or do I want to fight this being angry, resentful, So as I'm standing there looking at the truck, empty, I go, okay, I'm going to redo everything. I'm looking around and my mind started judging some workers that were working on some stuff around me and I'm going, I'm going to go look in their trucks. And the Lord says, get in your truck. Because I was, I was starting to flush. And the Lord says, this is a good fight, isn't it? 
You know, I get home and I realize that the valuable pieces, all these swords were laying there. A $2,000 projector was laying there. A suitcase packed with equipment was laying there. My MP3 player was laying right there on the, on the dash. They didn't take any of the valuables. They took my Bible and conference materials and, you know. And the Lord ministered to me and showed me of the good fight even within that circumstance. I was complaining, I was going to add a few more hours to my day yesterday and whatever. I'm telling you guys, it went so smooth and I was so peaceful and restful. It was, it was, I just enjoyed it. That's a good fight. But if I would have picked up my dagger, I could have been attacked by one of those guys, I'll bet. So I was, I was pretty, pretty fleshy at the moment. And we have the tendency, you know, we do not fight flesh and blood, but the powers of darkness. I'll just save that one for a little later. We've got a lot we're going to say about that. Satan is out to destroy the leadership of the home, community, and our nation. good example of that is kind of seeing what's happening to our president and I'm trying to find something to dig up on this guy and, and finding out this memo, if you guys know what I'm talking about, this gossip, finding out this memo was written in Microsoft. Font. Well, guess what? Hello! Microsoft didn't have a font back when that was supposed to be written. So the guy got caught with his pants down. Full-blown lie. God is our defender. But I don't think the president lost sleep over that. He had to do what he was supposed to do as a leader and stay focused on what God had in front of him. Okay, this is not a laughing matter, and I need to just uh, cover these points with you real quick because it's, it's pretty, uh, pretty important because you do hear and you do see this attitude quite often. Satan uses the world and all of its uh, influences to bring a lighthearted attitude and mindset regarding the kingdom of darkness. And how does he do that? He does that through books, movies, video games, music, toys, television, internet, etc., etc. Now, if you take your average video game, tell me guys what you see. Death, murder, killing, destroying, stealing. How long's it been since you've seen a good healthy video like Pong? Ping, 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 ping. Video games took off when you started killing things like spaceships. Then the people in the spaceships. And then you know where it went from there. Now they have what I've been told, because I've only seen the cover of one of these things, Pornography, cartoon pornography that is used in a lot of these video games. Well, why in the world would, would they put pornography-looking women inside these video games when the focus of the video game is chasing cars or catching robbers or blowing things up? 
why would these creators put pornography looking images inside these video games? Why does it sell? Yeah, it does. Captivates our flesh. Keep this in mind. Satan had one goal in the Garden of Eden. And that was to take the clothes off of Eve. He said, well, Shorty had her clothes off. She was naked and unashamed. Eve was in the middle of the presence of the living God. She was clothed with righteousness. You've been listening to A Counselor's Point of View. Thank you for joining our podcast. If you're interested in finding out more about how you can obtain the full series, just log on to our website. Thank you for joining us today. This resource has been presented by the Counseling and Conference Services of IOM America. For more information about our ministries, visit us online at IOMAmerica.org. That's IOMAmerica.org.